0: The views expressed in the opinions given by the individual host, guest, random reptoid, or chupacabra may not necessarily reflect those of AM950 Radio, its affiliates, or its sponsors. Now, it's time to step into the unknown. There are things people experience but never talk about. A shadow moving in the corner, flickering of the lights, a disembodied voice. We invite you to talk with us, share your story, share your experience, because this isn't just your story, this is our story. This is Ghost Box Radio with Greg Bakken.
1: And this is Ghost Box Radio on AM 950, where every night we talk about the paranormal, UFOlogy, Bigfoot, and so much more. My name is Greg Bach, and thank you very much for joining me tonight on this Thursday as we head closer and closer into Christmas season. Uh, We have a pretty uh, interesting program tonight. Uh, It's going to be a lot of information that uh, we're going to be talking about. So before we get to that, some important stuff, Adam, who is with me tonight. Yes, sir. Have you ever been to Mavericks?
2: Mavericks. No, I have not.
1: It's I don't even know if you know what it is. It's I believe it was that
2: delicious sandwich that you had on Facebook today. Uh, I
1: it, it it certainly is. Oh, it is Wednesday. Thank you, Danielle. It's not <laughs> Thursday. It's Wednesday. Uh, we still have we still have days to go. Don't remind yeah, me. Yeah, I know, right? Oof. Your 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 wife is a, a dose of reality. Uh and but I appreciate it all the same. <laughs> That's why I went to Mavericks today because I needed that. I needed that. It must have been so good it took me into, like, another dimension or something. But, yeah, I always say whenever I go, if you have a chance, you got to get out there. Those sandwiches are ridiculous. They're roast beef sandwiches, everybody. Just amazing.
2: It looked fantastic as I saw that before I – after I got home from work. And it's just like, man, that one looks great. That looks like such a good sandwich.
1: It was. It was. And uh, uh, there was uh, also uh, – right next to it is a place. It's like a pop culture. It's not even po- – I mean it is pop culture, but it's it's a lot more than that. It's really hard to explain over the radio. Uh, Mr. Zeros. I don't know if you've ever heard of that. It's uh,
2: Yeah. There's actually a couple of wrestling figures hanging on my wall in my man cave from Mr. Zeros.
1: I was there for two hours today <laughs> talking to him.
2: Yeah, I dig that place.
1: Talking to Rick over there. We're going to have Rick on the show on uh january 9th we're going to be talking about uh i don't know what we're going to be talking about it's probably not gonna be a whole lot paranormal but it was he's an interesting guy he He, really is yeah no it was a it was a great conversation a great day uh and uh really um really cool but yeah if you can have a chance to get out to mavericks i want to get a bunch of people out there let's go to mavericks let's go get a roast beef sandwich not now Not now. Okay, I was going to
2: say, I can find an old show and we can throw it on. (laughs) But tonight's topic, though, I mean, when we were talking to Angela before we went on, holy cow. This is gonna be amazing.
1: So what we're gonna to do tonight, um, is uh you may remember we've had uh Miss Angela Boley on the show before. She is a psychic artist. We've we if especially if you're watching on uh, Ghost Box Radio with Greg Bach and on Facebook, you would have seen uh the pictures, the 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 paintings that she has done. We're not really focusing On that tonight, at least in terms of showing it, one of the things when – before we had uh, Angela on, uh, her and I were talking and she was talking about um, one past life in particular that she has been doing uh, research on for herself of finding out basically who she was and uh, who this person is and that they have these memories. Uh, She's going to explain it a whole lot better than I will, but it's very important. Um, And for those of you who have talked about, I want to do past life regression. I want to do all this. This is a very interesting story. I don't think this is how she got to where she is now, uh, but we're going to find out about this. And I'm going to say that we're going to let this story really play out. And what I mean by that When we get to the end of the hour, we may not be done with the story, and that's okay. We've already talked. Angela will probably come back in January. We'll finish it off because I really wanted her to be able to take her time and tell the story the way that she wants to do it because it is so important. And if you have any questions during it, please put it in the chat. You can also call in tonight 952-946-6205. It's 952-946-6205 and I'd like to welcome Angela to Ghost Box Radio. How are you doing?
3: Doing great. Thank you for having me.
1: Oh, well, thank you for uh thank you for joining. You know, it's we sit here, we you know, and you and I've been talking, you, Adam and I've been talking and it's 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 really kind of hard to even know the proper place to start the story uh because there are, there's so many things to it but at the at the most simplest and i may even have this wrong at the most simplest we're we're talking amongst everything else we're talking about one person who you were that mm-hmm. you are trying to figure out and and get that connection of being able to find uh, not, not only as much as you can about this person, but actually find out where they are. Am I am I on the right track with that?
3: Right, right, because I had friends in that lifetime, and I want to find them too. And I, I know one of them was reincarnated and know who he is, and there's one that wasn't. And I, I would love to find not only the people I was with, I would love to see where they were buried. Even if they were overseas, I, I would love to make a trip to their graves
1: so why don't we start with this uh who is this person that you are trying to track down
3: now i was frank huff and how i found out about this when i was 21 and i was in college it was close to the anniversary of my death in my past life Mm -hmm. i did not realize that and for months straight I had dreams in chronological order of my past life, an entire lifetime, starting about age six up to when I died liberating a concentration camp in
0: 1944.
3: Mm -hmm. It started out with, first, even before it started chronological, I would get glimpses. I would get glimpses of my friend, who I'd later known as Klaus, who was an SS officer at the time, and he had joined the Allies. He had defected, and I kept seeing glimpses of him. I see glimpses of the, of the camp, and and it would then start from the beginning where my earliest memories, I was growing up in a household, a German household, but in the United States. My grandfather had immigrated from Germany after World War I. And I was born in 1922 to my mother and I never knew who my father was. Mm
0: -hmm.
3: I just knew, um, I live with my grandparents, my, my Oma and my Opa. It's German for grandma, grandpa Mm
0: -hmm.
3: and my mother and my mother and my grandmother were very, very close. In fact, they paid no attention to neither me or grandpa. And my grandfather was a grocer and he loved to cook. He was a very gentle, uh, very kind man. And, and I remember attending my grandmother's funeral, though, in 1928. I was six years old when she passed. And I remember it vividly. It was the first time I wore a suit. And every night I would dream this. I would dream this in chronological order up to when I died. And the dreams ended on the anniversary of the end of the Second World War. And you'll see why. Uh, when I attended the funeral, everything seemed fine. But when I got home, I heard this very heated argument between my grandfather and my mother. And he was saying, I, I, I just got you know snippets of it, and I, I was I was afraid because I'd never heard my grandfather even raise his voice. He was such a gentle man, and he was saying, "I don't care how you feel about me. You can hate me all you want." but you can't leave behind your son. And then I hear my mother walk out and slam the door and I never saw her again. Wow. And my, my grandfather response to that was, he looked at me and he yelled, get out, which, you know, in German Ostia, get out. So he was upset. I, I went outside and I cried and I was outside for a while until he said, you know, come in. I made us something to eat, so I came came back in, and he didn't talk for me for two weeks. He would make breakfast, had breakfast for me ready before I got to school, and but he wouldn't talk to me. still he'd still, I got, he'd still he got take very, care of
1: you, but he was still ang- he was still angry, still angry. Yeah,
3: and as a child, he don't understand these things. No, and I got very very depressed, and he noticed that I was eating less and less. And then at the end of the second week, he put out cereal, but he wouldn't let me eat until so he said, "Come here, I have to talk to you first." Mm-hmm. So he sat down the chair. I walked over to him, and he said, "I'm not angry at you." He said, "You know," he, he talked about how awful it was. I mean, he lost he lost his wife. My mother walked out and he said he was overwhelmed figuring out how am I going to raise a little boy by myself? And he says, I don't hate you. I love you. And then he hugged me and I hugged him back and it was a big, big hug. And we had such a deep connection after that. Um, And we figured it out. I worked for my dad's business. He was a grocer. Mm -hmm. He had a farm. You know, I would load his Groceries up on the truck, um, you know, for his business, and he, you know, he'd take off and be sure to be up on time. Don't never be late with my <laughs> my, my, with my grandpa. He knew exactly when the vegetables were supposed to be picked and how long they would take to be picked, whatever each one it was. Sure, and you have to be up by that time, up ready to pick. whenever time he set, if you're a minute late, he would be. What he would do? Like if I was picking corn, if I got, I know he was late once. He would look between the corn stalks and, and have a sour look on his face
0: mm-hmm.
3: and sneak up on me, and I was loading crates on his truck and then he startled me i I started the crate off and then he put his head on one of the crates working right now. I
1: have a question for you uh when when yeah. you were getting these original uh the these memories originally and you you mentioned that uh uh, it was, you know, in German. You were hearing it in German, right? Yes. Were you? I mean, but did you know German, or did, it, or did you kind of learn by hearing it? Like it immediately resonated.
3: It's like I know German. Like my soul knows German, but this mind doesn't.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: So in the dreams, I would hear German and I would understand German. Mm-hmm. I'd even wake up speaking German well enough that I could put it in a translator or go to somebody who knows German and it would be grammatically correct and pronounced correctly. And they'd be able to interpret what I said. Mm -hmm. It was that, it was that amazing.
1: That is amazing. That's incredible.
3: Uh, But (laughs) this, this body hasn't learned, this mind hasn't learned German fully. So I'm relearning German. Sure. And it's very, it becomes very important later on, as I explain, uh, because I still carry scars from that lifetime here,
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
3: Um, and I have uh, I have issues with permanent physical pain from where I was shot from my death. So,
1: so, uh, so a lot really has transferred to you, you know. And I, I, I and I, I hope I'm not getting ahead of our, ourselves here a mm-hmm. little bit, but you you know, do you think that there is something unfinished mm-hmm. that that's why that that has that has stayed with you
3: yes i think there's something unfinished i didn't get to finish my mission and i'll explain Uh, when i by the time i was in high school i met the woman i would marry Mm -hmm. and i remember her name was mary and she became my fiance in high school but i waited a full year after high school to marry her and i remember that she was terrified of meeting my grandfather she thought at that time, all Germans were mean. And I said, wait a <laughs> minute, I'm German. I'm not mean. You're marrying me, right? And I said, I can't wait for this to happen because my grandfather's just a sweet old man. He's not mean. I, I just think this is going to be the funniest thing ever. So I took her to my grandpa's house and my grandpa was very nice. He, he was in his hat. He was, you know, he wore little glasses. He opened the door for her. He pulled the chair out for her in the kitchen. He he, he put drinks out for her and he sat down and and he could say some things in English, like very polite greetings. And my wife or my fiancee at the time, she, she instantly took them. She said, I think he's adorable. And of course, my grandpa looks to me to interpret in German. And he said, what did she say? I said, she thinks you're adorable, grandpa. Then he says, is this the woman you're going to marry? I said, yes, she is. She's the woman I'm going to marry. And he says, all right, then. (laughs) (laughs) I just, it's hilarious. She was so scared. She calmed down. And he, and he was just, just, he was was just fine. Uh, And his, his eyes just lit up when he looked at her. She was very, very beautiful. I I could see his little blue eyes. He just,
1: that's great. (laughs) Oh, that's amazing. Angelo, why don't we do this? Uh, Why don't we go Mm -hmm. ahead and take our first break? um, And then we can get that out of the way. When we come back. We're going to continue our conversation with Angel Boli. We're talking about a past life that uh, she's been very much connected to, and that she needs to. Uh, she she's on a she's on a quest. She's on a journey right now. We're going to talk more about it. You're listening to Ghost Box Radio on AM nine fifty. Have you ever wanted a psychic tarot or astrology reading but didn't want to leave the comfort of your home? Well, now you can. Midwest Witchery and Healing offer these readings via Zoom phone and even by email, just book online over at com. That's com. And don't forget, folks, that they do have an online store if you're not in the state and you want to check out what they have going on and see what they offer there. You can go get uh, your stuff. You can order online as well as there's gift cards there too. If there's somebody that you want to uh, give them, a gift card and let them figure out what they want uh to get from there. A lot of a lot of selection. We've had Witch Jody on many times. She's fantastic. The store is fantastic. Uh please uh go out there and give it a shot. Uh Midwest WitcheryHealing.com. We are talking with Angela Boley. Uh, we've had her on before talking about uh being a psychic portrait artist. Uh but uh, tonight we're talking about something a little bit different. We are talking about uh, past life that she is one one out of a number of them uh, that you uh, have this connection that you need to finish something off here and you know uh, one thing that struck me when you're talking about your fiance in this in this life this memory that you have and that's something that I want to try to make sure people are understanding uh because because you're going so easily back and forth in it that I want to make sure people know when you're talking about this other life versus your current life and uh the the thing is is like that you when you're talking about your grandpa and the look in your face as if you know for for me if I had seen my grandpa, my dad, my mom, who I haven't seen in years because they have passed, and that you saw that in that moment again, uh, that's that's really pretty special. And, I mean, that, that to me is, that has to be, you know, there, it sounds like that there's some really hardships with what you're trying to do, but something like that has to be pretty amazing.
3: It is, and, it, and I'm very fortunate. My opa, he did not reincarnate, but he has... I feel his presence, and I felt him visit me, and he has talked through a spirit box, mm-hmm. and I got to hear his voice again. And, of course, there aren't any German-language radio stations, but we had an entire conversation in German right, with one another. And he, re- he remembered that conversation we had in the kitchen uh, the day that he told me that he loved me and he didn't hate me, and he said it word for word in German.
1: And then you were able to understand it.
3: Yes, as I remember.
1: Yeah, yeah. I
3: remember. You know, I was only six years old at the time. Uh, but, it, it, you know, to resume the, chrono- the chronology of mm-hmm. my memory. Yeah. After I got married when I was when I was 19 is when I got married. I got married like a year after I graduated high school.
0: Mm-hmm. And
3: then I remember Pearl Harbor. Mhm. And I hadn't been married very long after Pearl Harbor happened, and I went to enlist. So I signed up for to enlist, and I was told, no, we're not ready for yet, because I told them I had spoke German fluently. I grew up speaking German in the house. I grew up speaking English in the schools, so I was fluent in both language.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, and they said, no, we're, we're creating a special office. When, when it's forming right now, we're not ready for yet. When you're ready, when we're ready, we'll call you. Okay, so Where, where were you
1: located at this point? Where were you at this point?
3: I, I lived in I lived in Pennsylvania. I okay. lived in Wilkes around Brooksbury, Pennsylvania. If you look at the enlistment record that I sent you, you'll see I I enlisted out of Brooksbury, Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. And they finally called me back. They called me back and it was a really tough memory saying, Leaving my wife behind.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
3: We didn't say goodbye or anything.
1: And and that's yeah. a that's a memory. That's a memory that is is as strong now as it was the day that it happened.
3: Yeah. It was. And um we didn't say anything. And I just held her hand and I walked away. And then I we went to the office and um the recruiter there was, was missing me a little bit and he says, You know, you're gonna join the German army. I'm like, we're Joining the, I'm joining the Germans? How is this possible? And he said, well, welcome to the Office of um, Teaching Services. So the Office of the Teaching Services, um, if you don't know your history, that was the CIA before mm. it became known as the CIA. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I would speak German, because I could speak German fluently. I apologize. I'm getting mixed up memory words. But um, because I could speak fluent German and English, I was sent to the OSS so I was going to be a secret service agent basically and what they did was that they sent me they didn't fly me direct to Germany I was flown several countries past Mm -hmm. Germany deep into Europe Mm -hmm. and I was to take a train ride they told me that they had somebody working in the recruiting office in Germany that was working with all the paperwork Falsifying paperwork so that we could show up as new recruits. Because I was in a group of other German-speaking Americans that were assigned to the OSS,
0: mm-hmm.
3: and we took a secret train ride. This train ride, its its schedule was only known to three people: the um, to the person who ran the station, the person who was piloting, or the conductor. You want to call him the pilot? Some people call him the pilot of the train. And then also um, the person, there was a third person on the train as well that was another uh, railroad worker. And we were not even allowed to talk on the train. We all had our German uniforms on, complete with helmets and the coat. And I remember looking at the landscape, and I told the historian later, and he says, oh, I even know what train you were on. Wow. I even know what route you took. There was only two routes into Germany. And when there was a northern route and there was a southern route, and I was on the southern route, and it traversed several countries, a secret train Rhine, I arrived in Germany, and I remember that the Germans, when you got into the German army, they had standard issued for, you know, every soldier. You got two condoms, cigarettes, and your MP40. Mm-hmm. And when I arrived, they said, I don't care about anything else. Just give me the MP40. That's all I care about. I had my MP40 and I had it with me all the time, never without my MP40. I remember that I had guard duty. So basically I was assigned as a guard um, to a number of assignments. One of them, I was at a school and uh, they made us soldiers and made the children stand up and, and sing the Host of this Elite, which is a Nazi German song, propaganda song. I remembered, and I woke up singing it one day. I woke up singing it in perfect, perfectly. <laughs> I,
1: you mean in German. In- presently, in- presently?
3: Yes, presently. I woke up singing yeah. it, and I looked it up. I didn't know what I was singing, but I remember singing it. And then I, I looked it up, and I found that the words, the lyrics, and I'm like, wow, this this is a real song. Wow. Um, and I and just and her, and I just want to say
1: I am sorry, I just want to say real fast because I had a couple of people asking who just joined late. Yes, uh Angela Boley is our guest tonight. She is a psychic portrait artist and what we are talking about a past life that she is uh trying to track down, uh more information and kind of finish something that started back then. Uh and uh right now we're talking about uh this this is taking place in in World War Two. Mm-hmm. And uh, she is part of the um, American Army, but she's working to infiltrate the Germans.
3: That's right. He is
1: infiltrating the Germans.
3: Yes, um, sorry, Carl Frank Hoff. I was six three at, at that time, um, at Carl, and I went by Frank Frank Hoff. Frank. And I was assigned to a number of guard duty assignments, and and one of those assignments, one of my first OSS missions. Was to help an administrator of this hospital defect. There was an interest. He expressed an interest in wanting to defect to the Allies. I that was the first time I was in civilian clothes. I had to get on my soldiers' clothes, dress as civilians somehow sneak by the staff of the hospital, get in and meet this administrator. When I met him, um, he said it was already too late. But he had told me and confided me about was that the Nazis had a secret uh, program they were running in the hospitals where they were killing the elderly. Uh, the very young, the very old, the disabled um, through the hospitals mm. and the doctors were working with the Nazis, you know, switching up medications mm. you know, altering surgeries and killing people. And to me, that was horrifying yeah. because you know, I can't imagine, you know, I, my OPA, somebody wanting to kill my OPA just because he was old. I can't imagine that. And he looked me right in the eyes and he says, I can't defect. I've already killed too many people. Mm. And He didn't turn me in surprisingly enough, but it was, it was terrifying. It was a terrifying mission because I had to get past all the security that the hospital had and to get in and get out of there. Mm -hmm. And then one of my assignments, um, and that I remembered, and if you, if you put me in Germany today, I could drive just by looking at I could drive the exact spot where I was a guard. I was a guard at a secret Nazi weapons development facility and what they were developing which i learned later through research um what was called the elephant it was a hundred ton tank they had both a diesel and a gasoline engine um, mm-hmm. they rolled it out towards the end of the war but at the time you know I, from my memory of it i just walked in um, and how this was set up how This building was disguised, so it was disguised as several several businesses. If you were to go drive by it on the outside, you would have thought there were just businesses together. But if you walked in, it was actually a warehouse, and you would have this huge machine in the middle of it. And there was a walkway for us at the top, so we could grab our submachine guns and shoot down if we had to. Mm -hmm. But I remember reporting to duty and speaking to my commanding officer— and he was saying uh, to me, he said a lot of the guards or the people that worked for him were not really behind the Nazis' ideal and really didn't have any heart of belief. And they were too nice uh, to the workers. And we need to be strong. We need to believe. And, and of course, I had developed these. I created personalities for for whatever job I had to do. So I went straight into the Nazi personality and I. I saluted and said, uh, the Nazis will not show weakness. We will not show weakness. We as Germans, we will, we will, how do I put that? Germany will rule the world and we will detest weakness. We will not show, um, what did I put? Okay, I'm sorry. No, um, that you're fine. I'm, I remember saying to the effect of um, mercy or something like mercy and compassion on, on the weak is, is, is a weakness for us and we as Germans will conquer the world through our uh, divisiveness and our um, in our strengths.
1: And, and Angela, I'd like to break in for one second. Adam, have you been noticing it's got dark in here and then it lightened up?
2: Yeah, it did.
1: And that's not the lights. No, it's not. There was something really strange that was going on here, Angela, when you were talking about that. And I was looking on camera to see if it's noticeable because everything turns out lighter on the camera. I saw you looking in Adam, it just looked like that all you could see was the was the screen and that it it was really weird.
3: Yeah, that's there's a um, dark energy around that. And I, you know, I reported to my officer, uh, to my superior officer, and I walked up my job duty was to guard this huge whipping that was being built, and I and I looked down on it from the catwalk, and I never seen anything that huge before in my life. Mm-hmm. So I asked the other guard, said, "What's being built here? Is that a plane?" Because it was so big. And the other guards at the shift james they said, "Well, it's not a plane, but we're not we're not told what this is. But rumor is is that it's a tank. And if you look at the elephant, if you look at the well, they call it the Panzer Lanzwagen Oth. It is the Panzer Lanz, or what they call the Panzer Eight, mm-hmm. the largest tank that was ever built by the Germans. Uh, keen to this, though, was a very emotional moment when I was up on the catwalk, and I would wait for the guard shift to change because I knew there was an there was an elderly man that I kept watching who was a Jew, and he looked like he was on death's door. He was severely emaciated. And he was being used as a welder on this tank. And at the shift change, when I was the only guard and I was carrying that change, I said, come up here, old man. And he came up to me on the scaffolding or on the catwalk there. And I said, I'm willing to take the risk. I, you can be in your own home tomorrow eating your own food and drinking wine. Just leave with me. I'll take you. I'll take the risk. I'll get you out of here. I'll rescue you. he says and he told me no he said no you need you need to fulfill your mission because you need to save many more lives if you try to do this now you'll get caught
1: because was just one life out of so many more yeah
3: and that broke my heart I wanted to cry yeah I wanted to cry right then and there but I had was in a uniform and I had to do my job
1: how how heroic of him though too right
3: yeah I, I admired him I mean with such strength and he wouldn't think he had any strength left of him to look at him because he was so far gone and he was still working and he was so determined. He said, don't watch, don't even watch over me. Hmm. He said, don't even try to don't, help me. Don't he show your hand. Yep. Yeah. And I, I was, I felt off because what <laughs> I could think of on my grandfather, he remained me. He, he reminded me of my grandfather in so many ways
0: mm-hmm.
3: um, Then after that, after that is when I met my friend Klaus, because I was, I just remembered that I was at, we were, where we were in Germany, it was around the winter time, and I was no longer on guard duty, but I had a barracks, and where I went, where the soldiers hung out at, was, I think what they call it, a gas house in Germany. It was just a, bar but the bar took up the entire building and then you just had a few tiny little tables and then there was a back room for the soldiers for to talk in private and my my contact my oss contact would usually give me a list of names to defect and i noticed that towards the end of the war that list kept getting longer i had a photographic memory so it only took me four or five seconds to see all those names on the list but he's but the person that I wanted to approach the defect, um, was not on that list. Mm. Um, and the reason being, I said, at least the soldier told me, you need to start. He, he, my OSS contact told me to start reaching soldiers, getting them to defect, start talking to them. And he wanted to encourage me to stay in my same rank. And I thought, well, I'm going to have to tell somebody that a am OSS. I have to expose myself in order to get them to defect. Right. I have to tell him who I work for. And if I do that, I'm at risk of being killed. If I'm going to die, I'm going to go to the highest ranking officer. There was an officer that I knew of that was highly respected. His name was Klaus von Brunner. And he was not on that list. But I noticed a few things about him. First of all, he never tortured or killed anybody. Uh, he was an SS officer and he had this incredible memory. It was similar to mine. What the mobile death squads would use him, but they would how they would use him. They would use his memory. They wouldn't have to write anything down. They would just give him a list of names and addresses, and he could remember. Only all, all they have to do is say "remember this." He remembered the list of names and addresses. Wow. And whenever they would need to go look for these people for the mobile death squads, be they Jews or German dissidents, he was supposed to recall that information. But when they would go look for those dissidents, whoever was on that list that they gave to him, they could never be found. So I suspected that Klaus had something to do with that.
1: Hmm. Uh, Angela, why don't we do this as we kind of have Mm -hmm. a small break? Let's take our break right now. We come back. Let's connect. Um, I have a couple questions in the chat. Do you want to Mm -hmm. do those when we come back? Okay. Sure. let's do that uh we're talking with angela uh Bolle. we're talking about uh her her uh i guess i, I guess your mission to uh figure out and, and come to 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 uh finish the mission of your past life uh Frank you're listening to ghost box radio on am950 Have you checked out the new classroom expansion at Midwest Witchery and Healing in Stillwater? They are now offering more classes so you can learn tarot, astrology, herbalism, witchcraft, psychic enhancements, and so much more. Make sure to follow them on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok to be up to date on their their class schedule. You go to MidwestWitcheryHealing.com and click on events and classes. Once again, they have uh, gift cards there available as well. MidwestWitcheryHealing.com. And then uh join us tomorrow on Ghost Box Radio with Greg Bakken. We're doing a replay tomorrow night and that's gonna be our uh episode with uh Father Ken Torres. Uh we did this back in uh July and uh he was talking about his new book, Introduction to the Demonic. Uh it's a very uh it's a very informative book. It's a great conversation, especially for those of you out there who Every time you go into a room that you think that you're doing a paranormal investigation, you think it's a demon, uh, it's, a very, it's a very good book to, uh, to kind of set you straight on that. But it's also very informed and also very accessible to anybody who needs to read it. So that's tomorrow, Friday. Uh, Adam and I will be back for our final episode of 2023 of Ghost Box Radio. And, uh, you know, maybe we'll end with like, I don't know, blowing up the station or something. I don't know. I mean, it's who knows. Right? Adam's like, you know, you don't know. I mean, anything's possible.
2: Start yeah. fresh in 2024 with a new studio.
1: I mean, maybe I'm sure they'll build, rebuild it by the time we come back in January.
2: We'll have Snap Construction do it.
1: Yeah, there we go. There we go. And, uh, you know, you know, we'll. I mean, I'm assuming we're coming back in 2024. I mean, I don't know. I mean.
2: Oh, did you not get that memo?
1: Well, I mean, it's like more Matt McNeil. You know, I don't know. Uh, so, <laughs> <laughs> well, Patty's taking over our hours. Pat- well, it so. is a two-hour. She does a two-hour show. So we only play one one hour of them. Uh, so, uh, yeah, uh, join us. Uh, Friday will be Casual Friday. We are talking with Angela Boley. Uh, we've been talking about the mission uh, that uh, it sounds like. Uh, frank her past life uh one of her past lives uh that uh, uh fought in world war 2 uh that there's unfinished business with that um and just as as we're getting we're in our final segment here as we talked about at the beginning of the program if we don't get through the whole story tonight we just I didn't want to rush her, and uh we will bring her back in January, like the week we come back because we want to really get through this um, because it's important to know the whole thing but angela uh Julie has been uh following this along very uh closely this conversation, and uh she i mean i don't I don't know what this means she's been she's been uh studying this it sounds like so it's very fortuitous that you are all that you're talking about it, and she knows it. Uh, any Operation Paperclip defectors?
3: No, no Operation Paperclip defectors, because that was because I was killed before Operation Paperclip.
1: OK, so then with that being said, then uh, we can let's uh, let's pick up then where we left off. We have, you know, about uh, 12 minutes left in the program. So why don't we pick up where we left off, A- Angela?
3: Yeah, so I went up to uh, Klaus, Bell von Brunner, and I stood at attention, saluted him, and asked if I could speak with him alone. He said, yes, sir. And as he was by himself. We went into a back room, and I introduced myself. I'm Frank Hoff. I'm with the Allies. I'm with the OSS. We know about the work camps. We know what's happening in the work camps. Do you know what's happening in the work camps? And he says, yes, of course I know, and I'm very, very concerned. I'm Jewish.
1: Mm. And he hid it.
3: Yes. Okay. And he, if you look up, if you actually look up his surname, it's a Jewish surname. Oh. I actually looked up the surname. So Brunner is a Jewish, German Jewish surname. Um. So, and he was very highly ranked and thought of, and he was made an SS officer not because he hurt anybody or killed anybody. He just had such extraordinary talents. And we worked together. And uh, one of our first missions, he was actually was instigated by him. He said, we're going to go on an excursion. I said, what's an excursion? I've never heard of that before. Mm -hmm. And there was a farmhouse that we went to that was a vacation spot for SS officers. And we actually went to this farmhouse, and it was towards the evening. And I said, if we're going to just stay for a weekend, why are we going towards the evening? He actually handed me a Ruger, and I still have my MP40. I'm like, I have my MP40. Why do I need a Ruger for? He says, just get ready to shoot as soon as possible. (laughs) We actually go to this farmhouse in a Volkswagen. And he says, whatever you do, whatever car you get away with, do not pick this car. Don't pick this car. <laughs> and and by the way, uh, Klaus also was fluent in English and German. So when we were in private conversation, we speak together in English. So mm-hmm. we get up to the farmhouse and he gets out of the car. I get out of the car. The farmer's sitting a little bit far as all, a little far away, and he doesn't approach the farmer, but he says, how many cars do you have here? He says, there are two. Klaus can tell by that, that there are four Nazis, four SS officers in the farmhouse. And as soon as they get up to the farmhouse, you know, the, each of the SS officers have their own private guards. So a guard answered the door and said, you have to leave your MP40 on the porch. And I'm like, I never live without my MP40. Yeah. And I wasn't even allowed in the house unless I was on invitation by other SS. And Klaus was the SS officer, so I was there on his invitation. And he says, Don't worry about it. It'll be safe here. Just leave it out. I'm leaning against the porch. I said, Okay, I'll lean against the porch. We walk in, we walk through the kitchen, into the living room. There's four SS guys. Me and Klaus separate. As soon as we separate, we put our lugers and we shoot all four SS. We ran out. I grabbed my MP forty off the porch. I run to one of the cars, and there's two cars there. We take, we each take a car. I take a car. None of us takes the Volkswagen. We each take <laughs> a Mercedes.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: And we're, we're taking off, and we're losing daylight. And I realized why he picked that time frame, because the darkness would help us escape. And I thought, well, in the back of my mind, that farmer's going to come back and find those four dead guys, and he's going to make a phone call, and there's going to be cops on us. And so enough, we were chased. But I just stayed on Klaus's tail on this and i remember i had my mp40 sitting on the passenger seat and i'm like oh my god is this gonna go bad for worse am i gonna have to shoot out with the cops and somehow we alluded now i don't remember how i just remembered that it, somehow that klaus used the darkness for an advantage and the complexity of the city and all the turns that we made and we, we got away and then we reported to work the next day and nobody suspected anything wow and he timed this up perfectly
0: mm-hmm mm-hmm
3: and then we then we, we started to liberate concentration camps. Um, I had by that time had moved up in rank. I had every time I did guard duty service successfully, I got a patch. So my coat was covered in patches. And finally, I was assigned to as a prison guard to concentration camps. And we would run an operation. And what would happen? Um, I would. If we would first it was a complex operation. You had the allies had to get ready. And in the case, we were working with the French. So I stayed in. So the barracks, I stayed in, as a German. I was mixed in with the French soldiers.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay.
3: And um, I remember my barracks. I remember um, uh, Edouard. His name was um, Edouard Toussaint. Officer Edouard Toussaint. I became friends with a uh, Frenchman. I was part of the French operation. How this would work, that when the OSS contact let me know that we were ready uh, in the morning when I'd start duty, Klaus would, would brush close to me. He'd walk next to me and walk so close to me he'd almost brush my shoulder. If it was a normal day and it wasn't go time, I would just say, Guten Morgen. If it wasn't go time, or if it was go time and we were going to liberate that camp that day, I would say, Bis später. That just means see you later, and even relearning German now. Um, and I started to relearn German for some. I, I had heart palpitations. Wow! Whenever I heard this, spater. Wow. Because I the would triggers because I, I knew what was I was I would feel this rush of fear and then excitement also. And Klaus would stay with the officers down at the hallway, and. There was a very small office, so he'd run with the he would stay with the officers that were running the camp. I'd stay with the prisoners. I would get ready, you know, I'd, you know, make sure I pulled back the slide and pulled out. There's a, the MP40 had a metal handle that it would extend the stock, so you could use it like a rifle. I would extend the stock out, get ready to shoot, and the prisoners start backing up, which is fine for me because that gave me room. And when the time came, Klaus would pull out his pistol and shoot all his fellow officers. And I would run out towards the entrance because the SS would come and shoot all the prisoners if they knew they were going to be liberated. So I would run out towards those SS officers and start firing. And once i have killed all the officers, Klaus would come by. I'd take all the clips out of their MP41s and hand it to him because it was the same gun. The MP41s were just had better... Um, better handles or uh, mm. better stalks on them. They were wood and stalks, but they were the same gun. So we could keep the clips and I collected the clips in the Klaus, so I could have extra clips for the next time. And um, so I, I, you know, I had excellent training All my shots were head and, head and chest shots. It was very successful. We did this three times in a row, you know, liberated oh. camps this way, this operation, the fourth camp and, was the camp that I was killed at. And that is the Gus Wallace camp that was liberated in 1944. And I remember like telling, I remember it was a, a mine, like a mining camp. It was, you, you, you'd actually mine rocks, you'd mine granite. And um, it, was a, it was not a huge camp um, that I could remember. I saw the prisoners faces. I remember every single face and one of the prisoners was pregnant She was, and I I was shocked. I mean, he sent a pregnant woman here. Um, And she was very late and about to give birth. And me and Klaus were very worried about her. Klaus was in the office and he had a prisoner in front of him. And at the time the Germans were suspecting us. So one of the officers said to Klaus, we know you're working with the allies. And then Klaus got very defensive, got very angry and started beating the prisoner he had standing in front of him, he punched him. He knocked him down, and when he was down, he kicked him. And I, he was bleeding from his mouth. And while this was happening, I was I went over to the pregnant woman and said, "Do you speak English?" She said, "Yes, I do." I said, "Do you see that man over there? You can trust him. He'll protect you." And I said, "Look, we're probably going to die for you today, and I may never see my wife again. Um, but you can save that baby." Yeah. You see that baby. Do everything you can. And um so it was go time and Klaus brought out his pistol, um, shot all the officers. He also helped the guy that he just beat to the ground stand up, he brought him to his feet. When I ran out to shoot, now remember my shots are usually thirty five, forty yards at the gate, but instead they were at the feet of me, six or seven feet. And all four SS emptied their clips into me. Mm. I shot back. I killed two of them, but they emptied their, and, and let me explain how the Germans would train their soldiers. The Germans didn't spend a whole lot of training, so they would teach their German soldiers to aim for the middle of the body, right, like towards the center, and where I did head and chest, they aimed towards the center. So where I was shot, I was shot almost cut in half. Yep. Now these are nine millimeter rounds. Four clips went into me. Some went down a here. Some went to my chest. And one of the soldiers that had shot me, since we were all out of clips or out of ammo, was going to finish me off with the butt of his gun, and I was down to one knee, and he and I couldn't stay, couldn't use my other leg because I I felt like a bullet had hit my spine, and he was going to hit me with the stock of his gun, and I knocked it away, and I punched him in the nose, and he got a bloody nose, and that took him back, and he he ran off. The other ones, the other survivors ran off. One of them was just a kid. I mean, probably no more than 14 or 15. It looked scared hmm. out of his mind when he saw me and left. And I started yelling for Klaus, Klaus. No, I like yelling for help, Klaus, Klaus. You know, Klaus was helping people, uh, helping other prisoners get out. And he was rounding people up, leading them out, organizing, leading them out of the camp. Finally, he comes over to me. And I said, Klaus, I can't stand up. Can you help me stand up? He says, no, you need to lay down. And he took my hand and he made me lay down. So we were holding hands. And I realized that I was dying. Yeah. And I, I begged him to send a letter to my wife. And I didn't want her to just get like a regular, just generic letter. You know, your husband's dead. I wanted Klaus to tell her. Everything that had happened, and our relationship, and yeah, no, he could he could do this well. And I said it's in Wilkesbury, and I told him told him our address. And and finally, he said, "Yes, I will write the letter." And then at that point is when I passed. I passed away, and I ended up in the light, and I was in heaven. So I even remember my afterlife of my your, past.
1: Your night. next journey.
0: Yeah,
3: and next journey, and I'm sitting there, and I'm actually standing. And according to um, the divine being that I'm with, he says, um, "Frank Hoff, you're the first man in all of history to survive a zero survivability mission three times in a row." Wow! And he told then at the end of that, he told me. Who Klaus got reincarnated as? He told me his name. Kim Bendix Peterson. He's known as King Diamond now. Like I was shocked. I mean, really, he is. But if if he knew how Klaus was an overachiever, uh, he was. In fact, when we were at the bar, and we were still together, and we were still Klaus, um, Klaus and Frank. Uh, one of the German soldiers had confronted me and tried to uh, tried to out me. And he said he said, Do you remember the bakery that used to be here? I said bakery. I don't remember, but he said, Yes, we used to come here as kids.
1: And Angela, I hate to do this. I have to stop us, uh, because we have we're running out of time here. Will you come back in January?
3: Yes, absolutely.
1: We got so much more to talk about. I'm sorry folks. We do have we're up against the clock. Angela Boley, thank you so very much. We're going to continue this conversation the first week of January. Get your questions ready, folks. Because there's a lot to talk about. Thank you for sharing something so personal with us. All righty. Good night,
0: everybody.